0: Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you right across Australia live from Hobart, Tasmania and also from Launceston today with David Maxwell joining us from up there and I'm your host Jason Cook. Uh, Tabitha normally does Fridays but uh, she's unable to do today so I'm glad to be back in the studio talking with David today. Welcome David. I sorry David I uh, didn't have you turned up welcome David <laughs> how are you Jason good thanks I had the wrong slider up on my console here That's sorry right. about that
1: I, I heard you fine <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah so how are you David You're, you've started a new series uh, the coming king this is the second episode in that
1: Yes, that's right. So last week we we looked a little bit at the validity of the Bible using both biblical and extra-biblical sources so that we can have confidence in that word.
0: Yeah, awesome. And... Uh David, uh, do you realise it's our 21st episode today?
1: Yes, it's, it seems like just yesterday we started.
0: It's, uh, it's uh, I, I realised that yesterday with Peter Watts, that 21, you know, that's a big number, 21. It's a special number when people have their 21st birthday. That's so for sure. uh, 21st episode today so david i love hearing about your stories your life stories your life experiences and uh, you've had a really interesting uh, mix of different things that you've done in your life and uh, i believe you're going to share something a little bit more about your life today so uh, let's hear a bit more of uh, what you've got to share
1: Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I've been sharing challenges throughout this series. One of the things that that really we need some support with in our Christian walks is the challenges that we face. And often it's good to hear other people's challenges so that we can uh, learn from them, perhaps apply some of those lessons to ourselves or at the very least avoid some issues ourselves as we go on in our Christian walk. And one of the things I wanted to share... Uh, today, last week, I I shared that, uh, that challenge of being faithful at all costs and how eventually it en- I ended up uh, leaving the work that I was in. So when I left the Air Force, I then had the next challenge. Of course, anyone who's ever left a job and has looked for another job, they find, well, you know, this is a challenge for me as well. So as, as we, uh, we, I leave the one job, what I find is, okay, now what am I going to do? It's, it's all good in, in hindsight to look back and see what you should have done. But at the time, it's very difficult to know sometimes. So mm. I made it a matter of prayer. And something that came up for me was some work uh, in our church called Literature Evangelism where we visit people in their homes, in different suburbs, in different places and we uh, share really good Bible-based books with them and people are able to then purchase those books and and the people that do that make a living out of it. Now, this was something I was uh, really impressed to do so I, I did the training for it and then I, I just didn't have the faith to, to believe that God could support me through this particular work because you survived on what you could sell. Mm. And, and I thought, no, this, I, this is too hard. I don't think I can do this. Looking back today, I see how that was clearly God leading me into that work. So I ended up going in a completely different direction. And I just wanted to encourage people today that sometimes you can't see where a direction might lead you but when you make it a matter of prayer the important thing in our faith growth is to actually take those steps and follow what God says and what I've found since then is that when I have done that God has he's led he's supplied he's done everything that we've needed that's Mm -hmm. what i see now so in hindsight i see how that was a lack of faith on my part and when we trust god we should trust him with everything and work although it's a really challenging thing for many people to put their faith in god for you know we want to be the providers god can and will provide when we put our faith in him
0: Mm. It uh, reminds me of uh, how I sort of started in this job, uh, David. Where mm. for for a while, six to twelve months, um, I guess I was saying to God, you know, I, I wanted a change. I, I was uh, working in IT, like you, and mm. um, I still do a bit of that, but. Uh, I was saying to God, you know, I'm available for something different, and uh, here I am, and I waited, and I waited. And it took a while, but uh, eventually uh, this opportunity came up, and, um, and here I am. So God does lead. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, last week, David, uh, do you want to just recap on uh, on what we did last week? Yeah,
1: so as I said before, last week we shared some of that empirical extra-biblical evidence that supports the Bible. So it's not just a book saying this is the book you should trust. It's, it's evidence from outside the Bible showing us that that's a book that we can trust. And so I also, um, through that extra-biblical evidence, I, I looked at the historical evidence for this man called Jesus of Nazareth to prove he was actually a real person and as I said last week that most genuine scholars today um, there's, there's probably a few that disagree, but most genuine scholars today admit that at least there was a man in p- first century Palestine who really did live, who was called Jesus of Nazareth. So many debate who he was or what he did, but certainly that's, uh, that's something that we most, most good scholars believe today. Yeah. So today we're actually going to look at who the Messiah was as predicted through the Bible.
0: Okay. Now before we just get into that, I'll give our show number to our listeners. That's 0488 880891. 0488 880891. Write that down as uh, Tassie Encounters. You can text us in, you can give us your feedback, questions, queries. Uh if you if you text in while our program is on, we may be able to answer any queries or 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 share your thoughts as well. So please write that down and uh, we've got a book offer coming up later in the program as well. Mm. so david before we uh get into it would you like to just open with prayer
1: yeah let me do that for you jason heavenly father i want to thank you that we can come and we can open your word this morning and as you inspired the writers of it lord inspire us as we hear it we ask in your name
0: amen amen
1: so, Jason, would you mind reading our text for today in Matthew chapter 3, 1 to 6? And it'll be from the New Living Translation, I believe.
0: Okay. So, Matthew 3, verse 1 to 6. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River.
1: Mm, thanks, Jason. So there's a, there's an air of expectation in those verses, as it would seem. And the opening illustration I want to use before we go to a break is is this. Um, some have heard about Tutankhamen. Mm. Um, he, it was v- really expected by, uh, by Howard Carter that he would find something in the late... Um, 1800s as he's uh, as he's looking for this treasure. So the excavations in the late 1800s had had yielded many many treasures and secrets. And archaeologists thought that that was it. It was done. We we found everything. But Howard Carter had this hunch that there was more to find, and so as he was looking through the valley of he was actually choosing the valley of kings rather than the pyramids because the egyptians started to bury their royalty in the valley of the kings around 1539 to 1075 bc that was because when there was a pyramid, it was really obvious to anyone who was uh, uh, who was searching for treasure that way, uh, basically the, for, yeah. yeah the pyramid said here's the treasure come and have a look yeah. and that's why most of the, the the pyramids by that time had been cleaned out mm. but um, Howard Carter and a m- number of others had realised that that the the pharaohs had realised this was what was going on so they started burying them elsewhere. So in the Valley of the Kings, Howard Carter is uh, looking specifically for this obscure king from the 18th dynasty, you know, the, the boy king. Um, that that's been so popular since, so famous since. But but um, when Howard Carter was digging to, for Tutankhamun, it was only he, he was only spoken about in scholarly circles. He wasn't really um, known very well. So he clears away the debris from the stairs, and Carter's team reveals the top of a doorway, and that wasn't significant. But the fact that the original seals in the plaster were still intact was exciting for Carter. So he, he orders that they cover it up, they fill it in because obviously uh, Lord Carnarvon who financed this wanted to be, to, to be the one that uncovers it and then Howard sends back a message to Lord Carnarvon. Saying, at last, have made wonderful discovery in Valley, a magnificent tomb with seals intact. And then we know what happens uh, after that, as the intact seals of Tutankhamun's tomb leads Howard Carter to expect that he'd found an undiscovered tomb. That's, that's what it was. But in 27 AD... There were signs all those years before that showed the people they were to expect a Messiah or Saviour to appear as well. And that's what we want to look at today.
0: Mm, Interesting. Um it's 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 fantastic when you come across some new discovery isn't it david that that you weren't expecting perhaps yeah absolutely i mean in this case i guess he was he was searching for it he was looking for Mm. it sometimes we come across things unexpectedly as well Uh, before we go to the break i've got a question for our listeners do you remember a time when you discovered something new for the first time and uh, perhaps you'd like to share that with us. Uh, and it could be new in terms of, you know, discovering some uh, thing or object, but it yep. also could be some truth. Yeah. And I think uh, we often discover some new truths in Scripture. So mm. share with us something that you've discovered for the first time and, uh, and yeah, text us in on 488 We're going to have a listen to our first song, Whatever is True, and this is by the group Rescue.
2: Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is honorable. We are to think upon these things. Yeah, and whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is is honorable. On Jesus, author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross for all our shame. Christ is our example of how to live our lives each day. So read. Trust, demand, obey. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is honorable. We are to think upon these things. And whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is honorable. Created in Christ Jesus for good works That He's prepared in advance for us And He's expressed this in His Word So be imitators of our God As children dearly loved You were once in darkness, now you're light to Him So set your mind on things above Forgetting what's behind. In the time when my soul was dead, pressing forward towards the goal. To win the heavenly prize instead. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is honorable. We are to think upon these things. We are to think upon these things We are to think upon these things
0: program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters, and we're speaking with David Maxwell, uh, starting his new series. This is the second episode in his new series, The Coming King, and today we're talking about the topic of the coming Messiah, I guess, the expected Messiah that uh, was talked about in the Old testament of the bible now Mm. just before we went to the break we talked about or we shared a listener question so if you have a time where you discovered something new maybe an object maybe some information some truth um, that you'd like to share with us, tell us about that. Text it in into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Now, just before we get back into our study, uh, David, we've got our our book today. It's called Messiah, and it's a sharing book. It's a small little book that is written by Jerry. Uh, d thomas we'll give you a bit more information about that and of course the code later in our program Mm. so uh yeah where are we going now david we've got uh we've just talked about this expectant messiah
1: yeah, so the people were should have should have expected a Messiah, and the reason is when you look in Matthew chapter three, that that, that short passage you read earlier, we see one of these um, signs of the Messiah coming is the fact that John the Baptist is creating a stir at this time. You know, he's going around, he's saying, "Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand." For he who was spoken of by the prophet. Uh, this is he who is spoken of, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. One of the reasons why the people should have been expecting something happening was that it had been over over 430 years since Israel had last heard the prophetic word spoken, spoken to them. Malachi Um, was one of the, is the last Old Testament prophet that we have. And he writes somewhere around 430 BC. And then nothing is heard, or at least nothing recorded that we have for all those long years. Now it's interesting that, that over 420 years is how long the, the uh, Israelites spent in Egypt. Mm. And then they had a Messiah, if you like, someone who saved them.
0: He rescued them out of, uh, yeah, out of Egypt. Yeah. That's
1: right. Of course it was God, but he used Moses to do it. And, mm. and it's no surprise that that scholars will look at Moses as a type or an example of Christ. Mm. So here we're looking around the 400-year the mark In 4 BC, it's no wonder that, well, this is before this verse in Matthew, but in 4 BC, it's about 400 years um, Mm. since since that last word is spoken. And there must be some expectation that something's going to happen soon. In 4 BC, word travels from some shepherds that they were given an announcement of the birth of this long-awaited one. Um, Then a couple of years after that, there's the, the killing of the innocents by Herod. He's threatened by that same news. Then about 10 years after that, there's this story that goes around of a young boy that's found in the temple, found by his parents. He was lost, and then they came back and found him. And this young boy of just... 12 years of age is baffling the learned Jewish scholars something's never been heard of before that they could, that, that someone could do this mm-hmm. and, and the religious leaders uh, that were around him at the time he seems to have more knowledge than they do so I'm sure this was noised abroad Then, just a number of years after that, in AD 27, John the Baptist, here in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist is baptising people, calling for repentance and preparation. So they were expecting something to happen.
0: Mm. Now, some some people even uh, wondered if John the Baptist was the Messiah, didn't they?
1: Yeah, some had. Some Mm. had actually asked him, Are you the prophet? Are you Mm. the one that was to come? And he says, No, no, not me, not me. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness.
0: And he pointed to the fact that there was one greater coming.
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, uh, as, as they'd had these promises all through their the, the years, they would, they'd held on to these promises of this Messiah, this Redeemer, this one that would save them from what they thought from the Romans or from persecution. Um, as far as they could see, it had been unfulfilled. Now, I've experienced these unfulfilled promises that you can give to people. And, and sometimes in our brokenness, in our human weakness, we make promises and then we don't keep them. Mm. <laughs> and I've experienced that, you know, with our daughter. And, and there was, you know, you, they, they'd, they'd, they'd want to go to the park or they'd want to do something really fun with you, just spend time with you. That's all kids really want. And you'd promise... Oh, look, I'm really busy today. Oh, let's go tomorrow. Mm. Tomorrow comes and you find yourself just as busy and you have these pressures on you and you constantly ruin those expectations, you know, those broken promises. Mm. But but here God's not like that. You know, when God makes a promise, um, certainly a good God makes a promise, people expect them to be kept. Yeah. Um, and and that's really important that we keep our promises you know we're going to look at uh, at some of these promises and you know they've they've looked at the promises in uh all or, or these uh, prophecies if you'd like to call them scholars have looked throughout the bible to uh find how many promises how many prophecies are there about jesus uh, or about the messiah and and there are over some have estimated over 300 both direct and indirect prophecies about Jesus. So, direct prophecies are, are things that you will see. It will be mentioning or talking about a Redeemer, it will be talking about a Messiah. That's a direct reference. Other ones are, are indirect, where it might talk about, um, let's say, what happens to this Messiah. And that might be an indirect reference. Mm or a reference in passing and as you come across some of those you count them all up and there's over 300 we can't we can't go through all of them today (laughs) probably not (laughs) no
0: yeah so uh david in the old uh, testament you've talked about some of them i i know one of the the significant um prophecies that talks and points to the anointed one. I remember the, uh, the 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 Messiah. The word Messiah means anointed one. Is it right?
1: Mm, yes, that's um,
0: right. One of those prophecies is in Daniel. Um, I can't remember which chapter, but I'm sure you yeah, know it.
1: Chapter nine. We're going to look at that a little bit later.
0: Okay, in this program. Yes, today. Awesome. Yes,
1: t- today.
0: <laughs> okay, awesome. We'll so look forward hang to, on that to that one. We'll look forward so, to that.
1: So, you know, they're, they're, they 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 should have known. They should have known because if you know, if you have got five, six references in their whole scriptures, it would be understandable they might miss it. Mm. You know, but what I'm saying is they, they really should have known. <laughs> they really should have known. There were so many references. Mm. And, and you know, they were really into their scriptures, Jason. You know, they they knew them. As, as a young person, by the time they were 12, they had to recite the first five books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if you ever had practice at learning verses when you were young.
0: Oh, I did, but I'm I'm not uh, that good so that I can uh, remember whole whole books of the Bible. Right.
1: Yeah, we you know when I was young, we had to um, we had to come home. I, I, I was a Sunday attending church, and I used to have to come home. We'd have our lunch after church, and then Dad made us. Recite, learn and recite a chapter of the Bible. Fortunately, it wasn't, you know, uh, Psalms 119, but he'd pick, he'd pick little ones like yeah. Psalms 23, Psalms 100, and, and we'd have to recite those, and mm. some of those have stuck with me all my life. Mm. And so, you know, these, these people were really, really studious because they had to learn whole books of the Bible mm. off by heart, well, certainly, as as good enough that, that the rabbis would say, okay, you've done all right, you can go out and play now. <laughs>
0: Uh, just before we go to the break, uh, David, um, I'm just wondering if you can share a little bit more about this book, uh, Messiah, uh, this this sharing book. Can you tell yeah. us more about that?
1: Do, would you like me to read um, read something of the, uh, the information? With yeah, it? sure. Yeah. All right, so what it says uh, in the intro, the information about the book is more than 100 years ago. Now, that's, that's quite some time. This lady by the name of Ellen G. White, penned a book called The Desire of Ages. That's, that book is today in the uh, Library of Congress in America and the comment on that book is that it's the best, um, the best written book uh, on the story of Jesus that's ever been written outside the Bible so i think that's that's quite that's from people who who have commented on this book and have read it wow. so this is a classic volume and this you know small version is is a, an abbreviated copy if you like right. on the life of jesus and it's been a source of inspiration and enlightenment to millions of readers all over the world it points us to jesus which is great so the author uh, Jerry D Thomas's passion to make up this powerful story more accessible to today's readers to today's readers has given birth to this little book The Messiah and it's a contemporary adaptation of Mrs White's great work Thomas's friendly style amplifies the beautiful message of this devotional classic making the sublime themes of the original easier to grasp The stories and teachings that thrilled the simple country folk of Galilee can also touch your hearts. Like its predecessor, this book is sure to leave its mark on future generations because of one thing, it lifts up the man who kept the promise and changed the world. And it's really timely, it's really timely that we would offer this book with this program today.
0: So keep listening and later in the program we'll give you the code to get a copy of this little book. And uh, it's not a huge book. I know The Desire of Ages is a pretty big book, but uh, this mm. is a, a much smaller edition of that. So just remember our listener question. If you've got a time when you discovered something new, you discovered something, whether it be an object or a thing or a truth, um, share it with us. zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. This is Ellie Holcomb with Anchor of Hope.
3: Marvelous, wonderful, infinite God Author of all that is good Faithful provider and giver of life Source of all power and love
4: Worthy of praise Refuge of strength To the end Righteous Redeemer And mighty to save He's the anchor of hope For the
3: souls Of men Gracious, compassionate Merciful God Radiant Holy delight, beautiful Father, victorious source of unchangeable light, great. That endures Powerful, constant, unwavering God Shepherd who comes for the lost Rock of salvation, remarkable love Savior who died on the cross Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise
4: to the
0: Was Anchor of Hope by Ellie Holcomb. Welcome back. You're listening to Tessie Encounters and we're speaking with David Maxwell. You know that song uh, David the Anchor of Hope. I know uh, the the Bible talks about how the um the Jewish people were really wanting a Messiah. Mm. They're in they're in uh, I guess they were in uh, what what would you call it? They were oppressed. They were
1: in expectation.
0: Yes. Yeah. but uh, they, they really wanted somebody to save them from their their oppression at the time, but, uh, but they missed they missed the man who was who was predicted to come
1: yeah you 're right you know and Ellie Holcomb really captures that in the the anchor of hope because it 's beyond just them as a people it goes to the whole world mm. um, and it 's really easy for us to point the finger at them you know and, and um, I was going to mention this earlier to point the finger at people who fail and not look at ourselves and go, well, what can we learn from that? Mm. Because it is really important that we learn from people's mistakes. Somebody once said life is too short to make all the mistakes yourself, so you have to learn them from other people. Mm. (laughs) And it's true. It's It's true. Very true. So, yeah, they should have known, they should have known there were so many promises in their scriptures and prophecies in their scriptures, and we can read them today and we can learn for ourselves what's ahead for us. But what I want to look at now is some of those promises that were given and fulfilled. One of them was how Jesus was to be conceived and born. In Isaiah 7.14 it says that the Messiah was to be born of a virgin. And we all know the story of Mary and her virgin birth. Um, some have um, really, really ridiculed that because they say that's not, that's not possible. Mm. But this is where faith comes in. We trust the Bible because we found that it's, a, it's an authentic book and it's a reliable book. So we can, we, we can trust that experience and, and what we've learned from those first-century witnesses, first-hand witnesses. There was another uh, promise or prophecy of where he would come from, and when you read this one, you can see how perhaps they might be a bit confused. So in Micah five two, we have that that he was to come from Bethlehem. In Numbers twenty four eight, it said he would be called out of Egypt. Um, in Isaiah fifty three three, it says he would be despised and pre- rejected; he'd be a Nazarite. And so we look at that and we think, well, well. He he had to be one, and they were looking at which one was he.
0: It it seems confusing that Bethlehem, Egypt, (laughs) Nazarite—correct—and
1: yet he was all three. Mm. You know, in Matthew two six, we see he was born in Bethlehem. Then he escapes to Egypt because of Herod, and then he comes back out of Egypt. Mm. So he meets that. Prophecy, And then we see through his life he was of the Nazarite vow, if you like. Grew he he was a Nazarite. He grew up in Nazareth. Mm. Uh, you know, more than just someone elsewhere taking the Nazarite vow, he was born. Oh, sorry, he wasn't born. He grew up in Nazar- mm. Nazareth. Mm. And then he was despised and rejected. We see that in Matthew and John and all the other places in the Bible. Mm. It also mentions how he was to live, and this is important Exodus 12:5 as we see that the Passover lamb which is a symbol of what Jesus was and who he became um, this Passover lamb had to be perfect spotless uh, without any blemish at all and and that got so legalistic by the time of Jesus that the Jewish leaders were thought we can make money out of this mm. and so they would bring the the people would bring their Passover lamb the Jewish leaders would you know, look at it very, very carefully and say, I'm sorry, there's a blemish with this lamb. So they would take the lamb, give them a pittance for it, and then they say, but you can buy one of those lambs mm. that are perfect, and they would have to pay a high price for that. Mm. They would then take that lamb, the people had no choice if they wanted to sacrifice, they would take that lamb that was given to them, they would take it round the back, they would Put a tag on it and it's all of a sudden it's a perfect lamb. Mm. Now we're making money out of this, which is one of the reasons Jesus turned over the tables. Mm. But Jesus himself, if he was the Passover lamb, he had to be spotless. He had to be perfect. He had to live that sinless life. And we see in John and First Peter 1, that's what he did. He fulfills this. Um, in Isaiah 53, it talks about how he was to suffer and die. And it was foretold. The, these are just amazing prophecies. If you want to read something that about the prophecies of Jesus, Isaiah 53, they were written clearly many centuries before Jesus came. You know, around those 400, 500 years before Jesus. And Isaiah 53, it foretells that he was going to be beaten, abused, bruised, pierced, but specifically not have any of his bones broken. Now when he was on the cross we see that came true. All of his life we see all of those things, especially in that last week of his life we see he's beaten, he's abused, he's bruised, he's pierced on the cross as he, after he dies, and then they don't break his legs because, as they come on that Friday night before the Passover, as they come to break the legs of the others, to, so that they'll die and they'll get them off the cross, they come to Jesus and he's already dead.
0: He's already dead, so they, didn't so they break don't his break legs. any bones. Mm.
1: And and this is just a fascinating fulfilment in Jesus' life, mm. or in his life and death. Then there was also the prophecy of the feast of first fruits. Now all of the feasts of the Israelites pointed to something. The Passover pointed to Jesus as the Passover lamb. The Feast of First Fruits also pa- um, uh, points to Jesus and uh, and some other another group of people as well. We haven't got time to look at that. But Jesus is called the first fruits Of those who have fallen asleep. Paul, as he's writing to the Corinthian church, recognizes the fulfillment of Jesus in the Feast of First Fruits the first fruits is at the beginning, just the early, early um, ripened crop, the very early ripened crop, not the whole harvest, just the very early ripened crop, they would have to bring a, uh, let's say it was grain, they would bring a sheaf, a a large bunch, if you like, a large bunch of their first harvested grains, they bring them to the priest and and they offer them to the priest. Or the high priest, and then what the high priest would do is he would take out one little piece of that. He would take out a sheaf, as they call it, and he would wave that before God, before the, the you know the, the the altar, and this was representative of the resurrection of Jesus. He was the first fruit of the first fruits. Mm. And see, in the New Testament it says that when Jesus was resurrected, others were resurrected as well. The first fruits. But Jesus was the first. And so here he is even in this this feast that was kept, Jesus' prophecy about Jesus and how he would live, how he would die, how he would be resurrected is also included there. And he is resurrected and then he goes back to heaven 40 days later. So many things... Uh, that, are, that are satisfied in Jesus Dave. time's running on and I've got to keep going But I what were you can, I can say? see on
0: your running sheet <clears throat> Daniel 9 that was the one we talked about earlier
1: right so Daniel 9 here there's this very clear prophecy in Daniel 9. Now I have to go through this quickly and if if it confuses anyone about the days, years, please text in your question mm. and we'll see if we can address that next week for you. So Daniel 9:24 to 27, in these verses, Daniel is asking for help to understand a vision. Now the angel has come and explained everything else about the vision for him except this, this long period, uh, the 2300 a day period a day for a year in prophecy and he says 70 weeks are determined for your people so the angel is then come after Daniel prays about it in the early chapter there and, and the angel comes and gives him the explanation of what this time period means he says 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city to finish transgression to make an end of sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, to anoint the most holy. And then it goes on and says, When... This is going to happen. So it gets nailed in history as a a starting time. Now, know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And then it goes on and explains what's going to happen there. There's going to be trouble for the building of the city. And then after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. And this happens in the middle of this final week. So this might be confusing to look at, but many people understood, certainly Daniel himself understood, the prophecy of one day in the Bible, in prophecy, meaning one year. We can go to Ezekiel and we can look at that being fulfilled and spoken very clearly to Ezekiel. So here you see that the temple wall from the time of Artaxerxes in 457 BC, that's when the command was given for them to go back and fully rebuild the, the Jerusalem and its walls. And the rebuilding of Jerusalem happens in 49 years. So that first seven weeks of seven days, mm. seven years. Then in AD 27, Jesus of Nazareth is baptized in the Jordan and he's anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's exactly 69 weeks or 483 years since 457 BC. So, you know, Jesus fulfills these promises and then right in the middle of that last week that seven years right in the middle and in AD 31 Jesus died on the cross and he's cut off as it says but not for himself we'll talk about that more in another program then in AD 34 it's the end of the 490 years and in that 490 years in AD 34 the Jews fully reject their messiah and this is incredible that that they have all of this evidence that Jesus has been anointed. He's born in four BC. There's all of that stuff that's noised around for his birth. Um, that stuff going on in the temple, and then AD twenty seven, we have him being cried out. This this is the Messiah. You know, John is baptizing him in AD twenty seven. He dies in in uh, thirty one AD, and still, still, while he's here, these people reject him.
0: Mm. And then uh, AD 34 was the death of Stephen, which really was the beginning of uh, Paul's ministry where he took the message to the Gentiles.
1: That's exactly right. And so that's the end of the 490 years prophesied by Daniel, Mm. and we see how Jesus fits into that perfectly. Mm. Mm. Now, that that means promises are being kept.
0: Amen. We're going to go to another break, and, of course, we've been talking all about Jesus, the Messiah, and this song is called More About Jesus by Savannah (music) Ellis. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters, and we're back with David Maxwell. We've been talking about the Messiah. Now, earlier in the program, we talked about our book giveaway for today. It's a small book called Messiah. It's based on the book by Ellen G. White called The Desire of Ages, which is a much larger book. But this has uh, been adapted by Jerry D. Thomas. And the code for that book you can get today is King and the Number 2. Just send in King and the Number 2, no spaces. Text that in to 488 and we can get that book out to you uh, within a, a few weeks. So uh, we'll be sending it out as soon as possible. Now, before the break, David, uh, we were talking about this amazing prophecy of the Messiah that uh, was in Daniel chapter 9 and uh, of course we know that that was fulfilled so uh, how would you like to just uh, summarise today's program
1: yeah thanks Jason look in our um, previous presentation we looked at this uh, extra-biblical evidence that I was talking about, that Jesus of Nazareth was the literal historical figure, the proof that he was born in 4 BC, died in 31 AD, and was seen again three days later. Now, that was very, very important, and I shared that quote from the Jewish historian Flavius Josephus. Now, that was only written a few years, six years after Jesus died on that cross, mm. and he writes this, and I'm just going to read it again just to remind people. Now, there was about this time a wise man he was the Christ and I I emphasize the fact that here this Jewish historian writing outside the Bible history of the Jews for the Romans he says that Jesus was the Messiah that's what the word Christ means and when Pilate at the suggestion of the principal men among us he is one of those on that council that suggests that Jesus be killed had condemned him to the cross. Those that loved him at first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day. He doesn't say they said he appeared to them. He confirms that Jesus rose and appeared to these people. Mm. Now, that's just fascinating. And then he confirms that uh, that was as per the divine prophets foretelling it. Um, And the tribe of Christians so named from him are not extinct to this day. And I think that's really fabulous. You know, I... You know, I've heard I've heard people telling stories of their life, and I've shared many things about my life here on the program. But would you be willing to die for something that you've been sharing? You know, you're not making it a fish story, you know, exaggerating a little bit. Would you be willing to die a death when you say this is true and I'm absolutely sure it's true? And then someone comes to you and say, Well, if that's true then you have to face the death penalty.
0: I guess one of those sayings is, I'll stake my life on it. (laughs) Absolutely. But would we really?
1: Would we really? You know, Mm. confirming the authenticity of these statements, almost all of the leaders of this tribe of Christians, as Josephus calls them, went to martyrs' deaths, and some were terrible deaths. You know, they tried boiling... um, uh John, 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 yeah. John as in not John the um John the yeah, Revelator. John the Revelator. Yeah. Not not John the Baptist but John the Revelator, in the mm. one that wrote the book of John and First John and Revelation. They tried to kill him by boiling him in oil and somehow he survived that. You know, God must have had a part in that. Mm. But all of the others, they, they were either beheaded or crucified or horrible things done to them. Mm. And this is a more convincing evidence that Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, Nazareth was a real person because they, they wouldn't give up their belief. They saw it with their own eyes. And if you read 1st John 1 and the first few verses there, John affirms they realized who they had with them. They had God the Son with them. Um, so. The other thing I wanted to mention is the possibility of one person in the Bible or one person in history fulfilling all of these prophecies made about him. Someone has mathematically checked what the odds are of one person just fulfilling eight prophecies of the Old Testament and them coming true in one person. It would be like if we got a foot worth of ten-cent pieces and covered Australia with a foot worth of ten cent pieces, and somewhere in that mix, mixed up a red coin. So painted one red and mixed it up somewhere in that in that foot deep of ten cent pieces covering the continent of Australia. Mm. Then we blindfolded somebody, put them in a plane, gave them a parachute, of course, pushed them out of the plane, and they pulled the parachute and they land on the ground blindfolded. They bend down and they pick up the red one. Mm. That's the possibility of one person fulfilling eight prophecies, just eight of them. Mm, but Jesus didn't fulfill just eight prophecies. He fulfilled over 300 direct and indirect prophecies. Mm. And and this is the important thing, you know, that Jesus is anointed. Oh, sorry, he's born just on time. He's anointed as Messiah right on time. He lives just as the scriptures predict he would. His life is foretold, and he suffered and died and rose again exactly as was prophesied hundreds of years beforehand. So who was this Messiah? Who really was he? Was he just the Messiah of the Jews, or was he the Messiah of the whole world? Mm. And a number of chapters in the Bible, especially in Isaiah, give hope to the Jews in exile, but on the whole they didn't fill those expectations, so as in the Jews didn't fulfill all those expectations. Writing to the Christians in Rome, I want to read to you who um, whose Messiah Jesus really was, whose Saviour Jesus really was. So Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome and he says something very significant and this is in Romans chapter 1 and uh, let me just turn there and read it for you. Romans chapter 1, I thought I had marked this, but I haven't. So Romans chapter 1, 1 to 7. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Though we, though Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom you also are the called of Christ. To all who are in Rome... Beloved of God, called to be saints. So he goes on and he explains that all who accept Jesus are now heirs of those original promises. And that's important. You know, this Messiah was promised right on time. He came as predicted. And it was in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. In our next presentation, we're going to look at more details of who this man claimed to be. Was he just a saviour? that was to save the Jews and save us in some way. We're going to look at that in more depth. It's not just a some fabricated story about this man who came. Jesus, who promised to come through the Bible and the old prophecies, has also promised to return in John chapter 14. And the signs around us, which we're going to look at a little bit later, are actually showing us and building our expectation for this great event. I'd like to encourage each listener that as the Jews forgot, as the Jews missed all those prophecies and Jesus coming the first time, we want to be sure we don't forget, we don't miss those promises of him coming again.
0: Mm. So that's, uh, that's what it's all about, isn't it, David? Uh, mm. Ultimately, the New Testament talks so much about Jesus' second coming and uh, we need to be aware of uh, the signs and so that we don't miss. Now, David, uh, the title of your program next week, you've told us a little bit about it. Mm. What's it going to be called?
1: Bread from Heaven.
0: Okay. And tomorrow we've got, uh, not sorry, tomorrow, Monday. I always say tomorrow, Monday, we've got David Leo, and he's going to be talking about Blind Bartimaeus. So we do hope you can join David on Monday, David Leo, and, of course, David Maxwell next Friday. uh, We'll be back with bread from heaven. Here's a song uh, by Andrew Peterson, just to finish up with, it's called All You'll Never Need, and it's talking about Jesus.
5: The blood of Jesus, it is like the widow's womb. It's enough to pay the price to set you free. Fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need The blood of Jesus, it is like the leper's river Running humble Seven times go under, let the water wash you clean. Only go down to the Jordan and believe. Only go down in the Jordan and Quench this flame. No power of hell can ever touch.
2: This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.